0: Hey listener, this is Yogi Polywall. thanks for checking out Grubstakers, a podcast about billionaires where we ask the question, is there a such thing as a good billionaire? This week in the scalding hot seat is Howard Schultz, the venti giant of coffee. We talk about his upbringing, his tenure as the owner of the Seattle Supersonics, and the Philadelphia arrest incident. All this and some more shenanigans this week on Grubstakers. I think we disproportionately stop whites too much.
1: I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race.
2: I am proud
0: to be gay.
3: I am proud to be a Republican.
1: You know, I went to a
0: tough
2: school in Queens that they used to beat up the little Jewish boys.
3: You know, I love having the support of real billionaires.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grubstakers. Uh, Sean McCarthy here, as always, joined by my good friends. Steve Jeffries.
4: Yogi Polywall, Andy Palmer.
1: And uh, this week, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, Mr. Starbucks, mm-hmm. Mr. Howard mm-hmm. Schultz. Uh, it was a, a bit of a story, uh, April 12th of this year, 2018, um, Starbucks in Philadelphia, a manager called 911 onto uh Uh, Black customers, or they weren't customers, two black people who were sitting in the store. Loiterers, if you will, Sean. Right. As Dave Rubin said, you know, they they loitered, they didn't buy anything, so obviously police officers should remove them by force and then have them sit in the precinct without being charged for nine hours. Yeah. Um, Frankly, not long enough if you ask me uh just like uh you know people don't talk
0: about in those nine hours how many crimes they could have committed (laughs) were those two black gentlemen on the
2: streets
0: (laughs) the real estate they're talking about could have been a crack house you don't know these things
4: isn't gang gang busted for loitering is like on par with gang busted for jaywalking Mm -hmm, that's right
1: Yeah. yeah basically never But they really were, like, in the station for, like, nine hours after they were... This is nuts to me. But so, anyway, they should have been arrested for loitering in that station.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Buy something or get out. I can just imagine the police, like, oh, yeah, you, like, uh, hanging around somewhere and not doing anything? Maybe you could do it for nine hours. They, uh, they, if you, if you, but in you all g- fairness, uh, loitering laws were put into place after uh, slavery was abolished uh, in order to uh, basically criminalize being black and uh, exploit the loophole in the uh, 13th Amendment. Is that it right? says that you can be yeah punished for, uh, or you can be put into slavery as punishment for a crime. And so laws. Okay, like we know you've
1: seen a Netflix documentary. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the he'd yeah. seen a Netflix documentary. <laughs> I like the idea, though, If like you're in the minimum security prison, and then they make you buy something from the civil forfeiture, (laughs) or they send you to the maximum security prison. This prison's for customers only, all right? No, you cannot use our bathroom. The the one toilet is for people who buy things. But anyways, so this week we're going to be talking uh, about uh, Howard Schultz. Uh, uh, He's... um, the king of coffee. The king of coffees. According to Forbes, as of April 2018, is worth about $2.8 billion. Though I guess one more thing on the Philadelphia incident, we should mention that the Starbucks, they've responded. Uh, CEO Kevin Johnson has met with the two men that they ejected and apologized. Starbucks is going to close their stores uh, for a few hours on May 29th to have racial sensitivity training.
3: Some of our audience members may not know what Starbucks is that's true that's true <laughs> and so well I thought, fortunately
1: we did research
3: yeah we did some research and we found someone who is perfectly equipped to in uh, explain in 1997 to explain Starbucks for us
5: well, let me ask you this
3: is it impossible to get a cup of coffee
5: flavored coffee anymore in this country
3: <laughs> he goes on to say
5: huh? what happened with coffee did I miss a fucking meeting with the coffee huh you can get every other flavor except
3: coffee-flavored coffee. They got mochaccino, they got chocaccino, frappuccino, cappuccino,
2: rappuccino, alpuccino, what the fuck?
3: It's weird because it's true.
2: www.whatthefuck.com
1: <laughs> Keep that applause going. Mm. Keep it going. Keep, keep it. Don't stop. Keep
0: we got, got 12 full seconds
1: of applause oh, for man, plugging yeah, Mark Madness. That was probably You're the walking there like, now, there's people wearing berets, they're writing poetry on computers.
0: There's a kid behind the counter, which you like a cafe culada? Fuck no! <laughs> www.blowme.com <laughs>
5: uh, Cafe culada.
4: early documentary on Starbucks. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> it, was, it was one of Bill Hicks' last projects.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That was the most controversial TED Talk I've ever heard. <laughs> But, yeah, no, that was a, a one it, Dennis Leary explaining Starbucks' impact on our culture as of 1997. Uh, Still rings true today, yeah. 20 years later.
3: Huge surge in traffic to www.blowme.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which was uh, a glass artistry website run by Dale Juhuli. <laughs> Go do you fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> do,
1: you th- do you think Dennis Leary disclosed the payment he had taken from a pornography website <laughs> to plug them <laughs> in his Comedy Central special? Um,
0: Alas, today, though, we are speaking about the king of coffee, Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz. The man, the myth, the clearly legendary douchebag who killed the Sonics.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so we'll get to all of that, but it should be noted that I think we've done, this will be what, our 14th billionaire, something like that. But basically, except for Oprah, none of them, would, I don't know, 13th? <laughs> Look, I don't know, we we edit. We uh, can
0: edit you, and you can <laughs> say this correctly if you want to,
1: Sean. This will be our 12th billionaire. We've done two special no. episodes? Yeah, but we talked about the Sackler family. They're billionaires. All right, that's fair, yeah. All right. Okay. But, Maybe you're right. Yes, yeah. the point is This is the content of... people crave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bickering with Sean, uh, Andy, Stephen, and Yogi about how many episodes we've no, done—thirteen,
3: done <laughs> no. easily verifiable what? in our <laughs> own site. Yeah, <laughs> especially love, when it's in front of them on their device. I love,
1: I love that we're like acting like experts on economics and these kinds of things, and we just have no idea how many episodes uh. we've actually done. Just the most, like, obvious facts we're just completely incorrect on. But the point is, of all the billionaires we've done uh, thus far, I would say Oprah is the only one that you could verifiably say is self-made. All of the rest had uh, pretty privileged upbringings and, you know, got friends and family loans of hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars to start their companies. If not more. Yes. But Howard Schultz is uh, as far as can be considered self-made, he's a self-made man. He was born uh, in 1953 in uh, Brooklyn in the Canarsie Housing Projects, uh, which is a... www.whatthefuck.com <laughs> Well, Dennis Leary, the Canarsie Housing Projects were reflected a time in New York City and uh, in America in general in which public housing was a priority for the government in the wake of the New Deal. Uh, it has since no longer been that. It's the old deal now. Yeah.
3: Now... Uh, there, there've been a lot of people who have grown up in, uh, Queens housing projects and Howard Schultz is probably the most successful one, uh, to have not had a stellar rap career. <laughs> uh, but so he grew up down the street from like big and Tupac and was like, you know what? I'm going into coffee. <laughs>
2: you,
1: <laughs> you know, In a different direction. Yeah. Still, there's still time for him. Yeah. He did <laughs> just retire as CEO of Starbucks. He could put out an album. He's got hardship. When I uh, bought the Sonics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, as we mentioned, uh, Howard Schultz uh, is, uh, as of April 2018, Forbes has him worth $2.8 billion. And um, just some quick facts about Starbucks itself. Uh, Starbucks has about 175,000 U.S. employees. They uh, call them partners. Euthanistically, wow! Y- yeah, I know, right? Uh, it's like a polyamory relationship. I know it, it's the corporate speak is really annoying in some of these companies, but the, uh, they have one hundred seventy-five thousand U.S. partners, according to Glassdoor. And they all fuck each other. <laughs> <laughs> Starbucks is the biggest poly organization in the world. That's why the logo is the leg spread. It's not. It's not. It's like a tail. It's letting the world know, hey, open up. Um, but uh, so Starbucks uh, pays according to Glassdoor as of 2016, uh, the, uh, Starbucks pays an average of 943 an hour. Um, and Howard Schultz himself uh, he owns somewhere between three and four percent. He's the largest single shareholder of Starbucks. He owns about 29 million shares uh, uh, and that fluctuates between about three and four uh, percent, 29 million shares as of November 2017. Um, so he's a lot of money. And um, again, he, he grew up, his dad was a, um, a, a World War II veteran and later a delivery and a truck driver. His mother was a receptionist. They grew up in the Canarsie housing projects in the 50s, 60s. Um, and he was the first person in his family to go to college. So he's... Legitimately self-made, but also in the sense that he grew up in a U.S. economy that was um, heavily unionized and uh, much more mobile, economically mobile than it is today. Right. Um,
3: He saw all that deprivation and labor exploitation around him, and he was like, you know what? I got to get on that train.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. uh, So, yeah, I mean, we'll get to kind of like... Howard's uh, uh, story later As as far as union abuses And these kinds of things at his shop But um, uh, we should talk about Just how he actually made his money uh, To go chronologically um, So as we mentioned He was born in the Canarsie Housing Projects He's uh, an athlete Actually when he's younger He gets a football scholarship Believe it or not really? uh, Yeah, he gets a football scholarship um, To uh, go to uh, Northern Michigan University uh Com. <laughs> uh he goes to Northern Michigan University. He gets hurt sh- shortly into his football playing career, but he still has this athletic scholarship. So he graduates uh again, first person in his family to go to college, graduates with a BA in communications in nineteen seventy five, and then in uh nineteen seventy six he is hired by Xerox as a salesman. That's right. And uh <laughs> he talks about that a bit where it's like uh Essentially, for Xerox, he would... Uh, this is a great podcasting
3: technique, by the way. When you're on a roll doing a monologue, just take a drink from your
1: <laughs> <laughs> iced coffee. Your jumbo. Oh, is that what this, I was about to complain about the sound, and then I realized I was making it. <laughs> like hey, what what's you, what's what's you guys <laughs> are creaking the... <laughs> guys, be professional.
3: A hundred people listen. You also stopped like you expected us to say something, but it was in the middle of a sentence. Yeah,
1: right. It was like, anyway, so what I was doing the <laughs> other going to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, okay. So anyways, so Howard Schultz, he gets this job at Xerox in 1976. You know what
3: Sean says? He, he says before we record this, he's like, let's go straight to the Pistons because I don't like listening to people fuck around on a <laughs> podcast right up
1: top. <laughs> That's what editing is for. Um, All right. So he goes to Xerox 1976. The way he describes this is he makes like 50 cold calls a day in New York City. Like he goes door to door to different offices and he tries to get them to buy Xerox, you know, and this kind of like gives him his salesman experience. So he learns this way. And again, it's the 70s. The American dream is not yet dead. You can. This is a good job. Like, you know, my father, for example, worked at an airline uh, and with uh, union benefits and was able to travel the world and buy a house and all these things in the 70s and 80s. And then that's just not true anymore. So, again, Schultz is a self-made man, but you do have to put it in context of he came up in a very... that's just just not true. (laughs) He came up in a very different economy than what exists today. But he's a Xerox salesman and he eventually excels at it. Um, they, they promote him within Xerox. Um, hey, do you want to uh, make your papers more papers? What?
3: I don't know, I'm just uh, imagining a Xerox pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, uh, does anyone in the office have like a really nice butt that you want multiple <laughs> photographs of? <laughs> but when did he create the Peanuts, Sean?
2: <laughs>
0: At what point did he draw cartoons that changed the nation? He went from Xerox
3: and he was like, this is satisfying, but what if a little boy could never kick a football? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but so, uh, uh, they, he they gets promoted. Wait, you
3: guys think that the uh, uh, Charlie Brown not being able to kick the football is a
0: metaphor for how Starbucks treats its employees? I think it's more of a metaphor for how America's being cucked by the Feminazis <laughs> <laughs> and how they're taking the ball away from us, <laughs>
1: and the power is in their hands now. <laughs> What if? What if on his deathbed he was like, "Yeah, actually, it was a metaphor for immigration from the turd world." <laughs> I li- I've been listening to a lot of Michael Savage, and I call it the turd world. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so he he works at Xerox. He he gets the salesman skills. He he moves up, but he eventually finds the work unsatisfying, and uh, in New York City. The a Swedish company opens that manufactures both furniture and drip coffee makers. Hammerplast. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and they were looking for a general manager, so he gets hired in 1980. He leaves Xerox and he goes to work as a GM for them. He's doing all right by this point. Um, but so this is where the Starbucks story begins because right. while he's working for these uh, Swedish company, he visits Hammerplast. Uh, <laughs> He visits uh, San Francisco and then Seattle. And in 1981, he goes into Starbucks for the first time—the one in Pike Place. Still there, uh, not at all a tourist trap. Just like the authentic experience. If you want, if you want to, if you want to
3: know what uh, Starbucks was like back in the day, wait in a 30-minute line <laughs> <laughs> for something you can get literally a block away. In about five minutes.
1: If you want, like, the authentic experience of somebody making nine thirty-four an hour who hates your tourist ass. <laughs> wait, wait. Though I guess the minimum wage in Seattle is $15. dollars so. they the
4: same wage
0: as in 19 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll get the exact same wage right.
1: <laughs> that they were paid when he walked in there the first time.
0: <laughs> Do they have overpriced cake pops? And will they spell my name
3: wrong on my cup? Wait, did he... Do we have records of him fighting the Kshama Sawant uh,
1: 15 an hour in Seattle? I didn't see anything about it. Okay. I mean, it's like mostly what uh my research has indicated is since the early 2000s Starbucks has learned to keep its head fucking down. Yep. Like we'll talk a bit about his Israel support, but he was <laughs> more, he was more vocal about donating prominently to pro-Israel causes and then sometime around 2000 sometime around the second intifada where Israel murdered 4000 people Uh, He kind of hushed up about that a little bit, realizing it might impact his business's bottom line. But again, we'll get to that. We're jumping ahead. Back to when he was working at Hammerplast. In 1981, he's working for this company. He walks into Starbucks in Pike Place for the first time, and he's blown away. And at this time, Starbucks didn't have actual uh, brew service; they just sold coffee beans. You know, they sold beans that you um, bring home and you make your own coffee. But so he walks in, he gets beans, and he's blown away by the qual- quality of the uh, the coffee. And it should be noted that Starbucks was founded uh, in Seattle in 1971 by uh, Jerry Baldwin, along with uh, Gordon uh, Gecko. Gordon Boker and Zev uh, Zelig.
3: I fucked this one up at a trivia during a work event. I thought it was the 60s. and Everyone else thought it was the 90s.
1: But uh, basically, they learned coffee brewing from Alfred Peet, who founded Peet's Coffee, which they later went on to buy. That's right. But um, so in 1981, Howard Schultz walks in for the first time and he's blown away. And he gets, you know, the inspiration that he really wants to be a part of this company. So he spends a year lobbying them, and eventually they hire him as, I believe, their marketing director. Director, yeah, of, marketing, dir- yeah. director of marketing. So uh, in 1982, he's hired by Starbucks as director of marketing. And uh, during this time, he goes to Italy on a company trip in 1983. He visits Milan, and he's so impressed by all the outdoor cafes, you know. Uh, uh, how these are like places where people congregate and mm-hmm. what he calls a third home, you know, uh, between work and your home is like this place that you go to to hang out and do all these things. And and so he really gets inspired by that and by the brew service and all this stuff. And he has a real uphill battle trying to convince um, the founders of Starbucks to go along with this because they didn't want to be in what they considered the restaurant business. Right. Which um, is
0: crazy that they weren't into it you know, as you're looking back on it now. But the reality is they wanted to just sell beans. They're all about that bean game. And it kinda yeah. makes sense because you know, what um he was impressed with when he worked at Hammerplast was the fact that Starbucks was buying so many um the plastic <laughs> cones. The plastic cone filters, and that's why Bless he you. That's why he was so uh intrigued with them because they were they gave a shit about good coffee.
1: Right, yeah. No, they were very much dedicated to uh to the bean, as it were. Um, but so anyways, so he lobbies them for a bit and eventually in 1985, they open up another store. I think eventually in the eighties, uh, Starbucks, even before he took over, had like four stores in Seattle. But then in 1985, Starbucks opens up a store that's still there on 4th and Spring Street. Uh, and they let Schultz essentially open a a full service Italian coffee bar within the store, Mm -hmm. you know, with the cafe latte and all that. And, uh. It becomes incredibly popular and eventually, like, overtakes the other side of their business. And the founders actually didn't really like this because, again, they wanted to just sell beans. They, they didn't want to be in the restaurant business. So, at this point, Schultz goes out and starts his own company. I believe it's uh, El Gior or something. Giornale. Giornale. Um And, again, uh, so Schultz starts his own business. He has to get 400k to st- to open the first shop. Uh, the founders of Starbucks actually invest about half of that money in him. Like, they're actually totally cool with him leaving. Uh, <laughs> they just want him to use Starbucks coffee in all right. the shops. Right. So they invest about half of that. He raises 100000 from a doctor, 100000 from his wife's friend, interestingly enough. Oh, so like,
4: he did have... Right, friend, friend and family donations, but exactly. only after he successfully built himself up. Right. he was
0: a part of the friends and family trust fund. You know, yeah, we've talked about this.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was like essentially uh, he he started from uh, uh, working class poverty roots in the Canarsie housing projects. And then he gets a job at Xerox, and eventually at Xerox, he's middle and then upper middle class. You know. So, yeah,
0: during some of this part, at one point his he talks about wanting to give up this it, one of these pieces of advice he gave to his son later on he talks about it, like he didn't think that this would work and his wife was like no nah, you should you should do this you should pursue this and i mean like the reality is you know at this time the amount of coffee that america consumes was unheard of like it it was it wasn't a coffee culture uh society at that time i right. mean people drank coffee but it was instant it wasn't a high um Latte wasn't in the common
3: yeah, uh, there jargon.
0: Yeah, n- coffee was black.
1: Yeah. Right. I was, think uh, Dennis Leary had something to say about this. <laughs> this was the golden age of America for Dennis Leary. <laughs> 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 and another thing. Remember when the police would just shoot somebody and people wouldn't complain? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever happened to free, sucker? Now it's just bang, bang, bang.
1: He later in that same bits. All right, we can't just play the entire <laughs> Dennis Larry of coffee flavored mocha cino
0: What is this yet? This, this episode just, is noises
1: forty percent Dennis Larry.
0: I want to put in the drop, which is the uh, slap chop guy going. Uh, uh,
1: Fettuccine, linguine, martini, bikini. <laughs> I'll put it in, in post. All right. Uh, so in '86, Howard Schultz opens up his own coffee sh- uh, store store. Uh, he eventually opens, I believe, three of these stores, um, and then in uh, uh, and then Starbucks actually the founders want to sell uh, to him. So what happens is uh, they want to. Um, Two
0: years later, the original Starbucks management decided to focus on Pete's
1: Coffee and right, tea, right.
0: and sold its Starbucks retail unit to Schultz.
1: Right. So they wanted to take three over points. Pete's Coffee from their uh, uh, mentor. Right. Uh, and focus on just selling beans. So they sell Starbucks to him for $3.8 million. He raises money from various sources, um, including, uh, well, I don't want to say, he, he mentions a story about Bill Gates Sr., but I don't think Bill Gates Sr. actually invested. But uh, Bill Gates Sr. was a, a major lawyer, like a senior partner in a law firm in Seattle at the time, and Schultz met with him. Oh, and, really? I didn't know Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> he tells a story about it, but... It's basically like Bill Gates Sr. goes to some other guy who was thinking about buying Starbucks. One of Schultz's investors kind of like went behind his back and tried to like buy it. Oh, really? And then Bill Gates Sr. went to him and was like, no, you knock that shit out. Wow. Uh, you know, it's crazy how the,
0: the blood of the Gates family runs <laughs> through Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> no money in that city is not touched by Gates. He, yeah. gave, he gave
3: my fucking commencement address. Uh, Bill and, Gates Sr. Sr. Yeah. And when we talk about Junior... I'll maybe get some clips from it because it was the least inspiring thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> he was like, "We, uh, the most important thing is uh, giving back to your community," and it's like, dude, you're only here because you jizzed the richest man in the world, right? At this time,
1: like, yeah. Did he tell you the time he uh, dangled one of Howard Schultz's competitor out of a window? <laughs> <laughs> Made him sign over the rights.
3: Yeah, no, that would have been a
1: fun. That would have been it's a much like, more interesting. So I listened to like this NPR podcast called uh, "How I Built That" with Howard Schultz. Which, first of all, what a disgusting bootlicking title! Uh, "How I Built That." You know, my store with one hundred and seventy-five thousand employees. <laughs> right. How I did that. But so, anyways, so, uh, uh, but that's where the Bill Gates Sr. story comes from. And uh, it's just kind of cute, like, because he describes, like, how Bill Gates Sr. was, like, 6'4 and, like, really intimidating. And I just, like, imagine Bill Gates Sr. as, like, this nerdy Suge Knight (laughs) being, like, yeah, vanilla ice, you're going to sign over your royalties, (laughs) and that's how we're going to make the Frappuccinos. Well, there's this clip from it. Oh, yes. So, and what, what is wait, your... Wait, wait, wait. We've got to set this up. So this is, is an interview NPR does with Howard Schultz, How I Built That, in Seattle. So they ask him, and, and see if you can recognize that this takes place in Seattle.
5: And what, what is your preferred coffee drink? Uh, French Press of Age Sumatra would be my number one choice. All right. Okay. Okay. Good.
3: <laughs> what, I, what I like about that, too, is like, so we've been talking about Howard Schultz in comparison to rappers who came out of the projects. Mm-hmm. And you got Jay-Z being like, you escaped what I escaped, you'd be in Paris getting fucked up, too. Mm-hmm. This is the Schultz version of that. He's like, in the projects.
2: <laughs>
3: I couldn't get that French press, Sumatra.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love
0: the
1: piece of shit in the audience. Like, ooh,
0: ooh, French press, Simatra. Oh, also, oh, oh. I like, I to, imagine, I like, I like to
1: imagine there were a few people in their arms with like their ar- uh, in the audience with their arms crossed, shaking their head. <laughs> yeah, 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 they sure. like Sumatra is trash. <laughs> <laughs> what an entry level drink. French <laughs> press.
3: It's also great how much this host is trying to sound like Ira Glass, like he yeah. studied oh, Ira God. Glass. Oh, and so what good. what
5: is your preferred coffee drink? Uh, French yeah. press of age Sumatra would be my number one choice. Now listen to it. All right, Sarah. okay, okay, good. It's like
0: a cross. All right, between. okay. Okay, good. It's a cross between Iron Glass and like the Jad Oppenrod, that guy. Like it's very like, you know, I get cucked every morning before I brush my teeth. <laughs>
1: It's actually like there's a school where they make Ira Glass type reporters, and, and what they do is they get someone from Middle America, maybe a coal miner or a factory <laughs> worker, and they just sit them in the room with a person wearing glasses, and they have to keep doing the voice until this Middle American involuntarily punches them in the face, and as soon as you get that involuntary punch reaction, you are at Ira Glass sound. sound. Right. The other just test is they have a tea kettle, and they want you to get the pitchness
0: of when the kettle's boiling, that's what they want your voice to sound like at all times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're ready to be an NPR reporter as soon as people just want to hit you as soon as they hear your voice. Um, But so anyways, so uh, yes, in uh, uh, 87, he uh, buys Starbucks from the original founders. Uh, At this point, he has six stores in total, Uh, and from 87, he just grows it uh, pretty spectacularly. You know, like... Was either.
3: there was there something that kind of put Seattle on the map uh, at that point? Would you say <laughs>
0: mm, Seattle map? I don't know.
2: All right, let's. <laughs> Before, the FCC uh, nothing comes won't. to mind really. <laughs> <laughs> For Courtney Love,
0: sues oh, 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 us sir into makes oblivion. makes a lot. Sir <laughs> makes a lot. My yeah. plot is on Broadway. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's actually he uh, paid Kurt Cobain to uh, mention. Uh, 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 Starbucks in the note. <laughs> <laughs> it's like God. I had this mocha chai latte today, and I know nothing will ever compare to it. <laughs> I will never be as happy as I was at that moment drinking that perfectly crafted beverage. And you know, I know there's multiple locations, but each mm-hmm. Starbucks treats every individual drink and customer like they were their own child. It's it's
3: you know uh, Starbucks. It's better than it's. It's better than sex, not heroin,
2: but definitely <laughs> sex, guys. Guys, that's
1: actually uh, Starbucks to appeal to the grunge scene had a um, uh, pro needles in bathrooms <laughs> policy throughout the nineties. Guys,
0: I've got a remix on "Smells Like Teen Spirit." We're gonna call it "Smells Like Starbucks." Uh, <laughs> here we are now,
1: baristas. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so in '87, he buys Starbucks at six shops. Here it grows, we are
3: now, grows Venty exponentially.
1: It grows exponentially in that... Uh, I'm not decaf. I'm caffeinated.
3: Oh, man. We <laughs> would have been stars of the internet in the 90s.
2: Oh, God.
1: You're right. Like, too bad everybody already did all our ideas. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're like late to the podcast game, late to the song parody game, late to the... <laughs> all right, okay. Okay, good. <laughs> late to the Flash animation game. Um, but so, anyways, in 96... Uh, they opened their first store in Tokyo, and it's you know wildly popular. And then all right, okay, okay, good. This is Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> in '97, Dennis Leary. Uh, wait, wait, can imp- we back backtrack a bit? Sure. They
4: had their initial public offering in 1992. Yeah. '92. Okay, yeah. that's and when so, Wu Tang Clan
0: dropped their first LP. <laughs>
3: oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Seventeen
1: so, you know what else happened in '92? No. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get sued.
3: Yeah, seventeen dollars. Actually, it was ninety-one. Year. But I, I love Nirvana too much.
1: Yeah, you love Nirvana so much that you get the date wrong. You're not a real fan. I did like the one time I made ang- Andy most angry in a leftist Facebook group was I said Nirvana is cultural appropriation that stole black music, and I got <laughs> everyone in there to agree with me <laughs> that you're a bad person if you listen to Nirvana. <laughs> um. But so, anyways. Uh. Uh, uh, so yes, they go public in '92. At this point, Schultz is you know multi-millionaire, and they just keep growing from there. '96, first store in Tokyo. All right, Andy, goddammit it! All
0: right. I just want the listeners to know. Uh, I usually wear my headphones during the entire podcast. Oh yeah, uh, I take them off now because <laughs> I have to listen to this shit twice. <laughs> That's a good
4: idea. All right. So I was just going to add in, if you've invested a thousand in Starbucks when it, in its IPO, Mm -hmm. it would be worth 224,000
1: now. Ooh, not bad. Yeah. Good return on investment. And so you can understand how Schultz's money has really grown exponentially since that time. Um, uh, Again, he's the largest individual shareholder. He owns more than 29 million shares as of November, 2017. Um, But so interesting thing about Starbucks' growth is it doesn't franchise its shops. It's not like McDonald's. They just own all of the stores. And so what happens from the 90s all the way up to the recession in 2007 is Starbucks just keeps growing at an unsustainable rate. So Schultz uh, leaves as the CEO in the year 2000. Um, he steps down. But interesting thing, and I'll, I'll put a link to this in our uh, Tumblr, which you can uh, check out for you know the research that we look at and just any corrections we have to make. But uh, Fortune Magazine did an interesting article where they show a graph of how between two thousand between 1999 and 2016, uh, Schultz was actually not CEO for about ten of those years, eight of those years, uh, but his pay in terms of total compensation. Never goes down. Essentially, he leaves the CEO in the year two thousand. He comes back in the year two thousand seven, and then he left again last year in two thousand seventeen. Um, last year in two thousand seventeen, he made about eighteen million. The year before that, twenty sixteen, he made I think twenty three million. So his pay never decreases because he has like an understanding with the board that he will never make less than the actual CEO of Starbucks. So it's just kind of an interesting question where it's like, what is he doing? that generates any value innovating yes but it's also like building it this guy is worth three billion and for some reason he needs to be like one of the highest paid ceos you know making 25 23 million um
0: but so the stock went up when he came back in 2008 but like the thing is is that all he did was shut starbucks down and then retrain to like Put an emphasis on coffee yeah. instead of the convenience of it. Well, and I'll talk.
1: Oh God, it's so like infuriating. listening listen to that NPR thing. So, like, just to give the background, so they grow exponentially and they keep opening stores. I think CNN would say, said in 2007 they were opening an average of six stores a day. Wow. You know,
2: I, um, I
3: will say like my first time studying, or I studied abroad
1: and yeah. I I left. What was her name? The continent. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I left the continent. That's, that's what you do to get the Patreon money, people that the we class- do not get. Yes. The classic <laughs> we study of broad Patreon, joke. But uh, once was... we
3: do, sign up, pay us some money to get more yeah, of the, that.
1: The study of broad joke is so good that not even Dennis Leary would use it. <laughs> In that 97 special he was like, "All right, okay. Okay, good. Fuck a Patreon. Let's just have a Venmo account for the
3: podcast. <laughs> for every good every good every drop good, yeah, we
2: yeah, get we yeah, get a dollar per joke."
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I'm life. I'm leaving the continent for the first time. I'm flying out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh where uh, we all had our formative years mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast. And I land in the Vienna airport. Walk out of the terminal and right in front of me is a Starbucks. Hell yes. It's like I can't I can't escape this. Anyways, I'm sure there are um this is new territory that's uh hasn't been uh plowed by Have you
1: noticed there are a lot of Starbucks stores? <laughs> But no, there really were. So, like, what happens, again, they're opening all these stores, and he leaves in... www.blowme.com He just, like... It was like, they weren't even making money anymore. He just wanted to see how angry he could make Dennis Leary. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you know, if we open, like, 14 stores, this guy will surely stroke out (laughs) in the middle of a comedy special. He was a big Bill Hicks fan. (laughs) The stark
4: Stark price goes up with... Leary's blood pressure. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um,
1: But so, okay, so he leaves the CEO in 2000, but uh, and they keep growing at an unsustainable rate, opening all these stores. And interestingly enough, he's not CEO, but his pay between 2006 and 2007 more than doubles. 2007 is their worst year on record. Mm -hmm. Their stock price falls 48% uh... they're like he claims they were like on the verge of bankruptcy but interestingly enough his pay still doubles from five to ten million dollars more than ten million dollars in total compensation for their worst year on record when he's not the c-e-o and not apparently doing anything <laughs> so All right like- okay, okay good. But, okay, so uh, he comes back in 2008, early 2008, and, uh, God, he he gives this quote that's so infuriating in that NPR interview. He says he went back for two reasons, quote, what it means to love something and the responsibility that goes with it. And I'm sure a $25 million (laughs) a year paycheck had nothing to do with it. Right?
4: You mean when you quit a job and then... Also go back, but you don't have the job and make other people's jobs worse. You don't get a, a pay raise, like you know, when like you a normal like, person.
1: You know when you like quit a job, but like do not receive any cut whatsoever in your salary, yeah. and in fact have your salary double six years after you quit the job when you're not apparently doing anything for the company. Quitting a job isn't cool, guys. You know what's cool? Quitting a job and then making more money when you come back. <laughs>
3: it's like it's like Howard Schultz is a senator. <laughs>
1: uh he, he does yeah. actually there are rumors uh that he wants to run for president yeah there's schultz, an interview yeah. with huh? schultz
0: and jack ma and uh the interviewer goes hey jack you think schultz should run for president and Howard just looks at him and was like uh, speak carefully here jack <laughs> <laughs> schultz got married in 82 and they got yes. two kids um uh addison schultz born in 1989 and uh jordan schultz born in 1986 Jordan's a sports writer for Huffington Post and married some blonde chick named Brianna Hawes in September. And uh, Big fan of the uh,
3: Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah,
0: right, right. <laughs> um, and uh, Brianna also married some dude, I don't, I don't know what the fuck his name is. Anyway, they're, they're boring. They suck. Uh, Jordan is a sports writer for Huffington Post, which I think says more about Jordan than we'd all wish to admit. Um, their kids, His kids are boring. They kind of suck. They live in New York. Uh, for... Jordan's uh, wedding gift, uh, Schultz bought him like a 4.6 condo in the village, and uh, it's like a three-bedroom, two-bath, and they have a whole bunch of pets. They just live boring lives. They suck. Anyway, that's uh, all I got to say about their kids.
1: $4.6 million dollar condo as a wedding gift. Um, not as good as the, parents, my, the condo my parents bought me for my 18th, <laughs> but... Uh, but, so, yeah, no, I mean, he's boring kids, but, uh, you know, he's been with his wife since, I think, 78, um, and, again, he's not allowed any, uh, press stories about affairs to come out, so good for him. He's probably not cheated on her. All right, okay, okay, good. Um, but, so, we were talking about, Starbucks has this massive unsustainable growth in the 90s, 2000s, Howard Schultz comes back as CEO in 2008, and his strategy, uh, what he does is he closed 900 stores. 90% of them had been open less than a year. Um, but interesting, this is massive layoffs. Uh, right. Because like, uh, one of the things uh, the Starbucks union, which we'll get to in a bit, fights for is the right for workers at closed-down stores to be reassigned, whereas Starbucks, of course, does not want to do that. They mm-hmm. just want to throw these people out. Um, but he closes down 900 stores. 90% of them were open less than a year. He uh, closes all the stores uh, for daily retraining. Um, but then he does this really disgusting vanity thing that he talks about in the NPR interview he spends thir- the, He spends thirty million dollars of company money flying out all ten thousand district managers out to an auditorium to hear a speech by him. And he actually gives himself credit for the turnaround for spending 30 million dollars to fly these people out to listen to an auditorium speech by him where he talks about how they'll be insolvent in seven months if the current uh, course continues and how important individual customer focus is. And he talks about this like, you know, like he just imparted on them, like how important (laughs) it was that they all be in this together. And of course, like. This is not a cooperative situation mm, where right. like uh, another thing we'll, we'll get to later is the district managers, they're paid and they are disciplined by how they utilize costs, particularly labor. Oh, wow. So essentially the district managers or the store managers uh, will get from their higher ups X number of hours a week. And if they exceed that, they get reprimanded, written up, et cetera. So what happens is the incentive is always to give the employees fucked up schedules, not enough hours, short notice, uh, clopins, where they both close a store and then open it the next morning, which I had to do a couple times at Whole Foods. It's a fucked up practice. You know, it makes it impossible. Like Starbucks says they don't do it anymore, but, of course, it still happens. Right. Um, but, but the so,
0: bottom line is what's most important. I mean, even though Starbucks is a corporation that provides uh, college education and health care, the reality is, is they're selling sugar water to idiots to make money so that they can profit.
1: And they don't even use organic milk. Come on, people. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, uh, I they just, co- they pay for college. Yeah, they, they yeah. do the Arizona State partnership. partnership. So, like, if you work twenty more hours, twenty or more hours a week at Starbucks, they will uh, yep. pay your tuition for Arizona State University, like online classes and shit. Oh, uh, and they also offer a, healthcare, oh, quality education. Yes, healthcare for employees at twenty hours or more a week. Uh, Wait, is Noam Chomsky at Arizona State now? <laughs> <laughs> equity in so the form you- of stock options. It's like again, it's actually it reminds me a lot of Whole Foods where I worked for a year. But, like, Whole Foods calls all their employees team members. Starbucks calls them all partners. All this euphemist euphemistic, euphemistic corporate bullshit. It's just
0: morale-boosting terms right. that don't actually boost morale. Yeah,
1: but it's, like, the kind of the same thing where it's, like, both Starbucks and Whole Foods, though uh, I would imagine Whole Foods is a lot worse now that Amazon owns it, but they used kind of a carrot-and-stick approach to avoid yep. unionization, where it's, like, Starbucks offers these benefits, but they will fire you if you unionize <laughs> or if you try to unionize. Um, And and again, we'll get to that. You don't even get to
3: go to the university in Arizona that has Noam Chomsky, which is the U of A. Uh,
0: Schultz talks about, in an interview, why he did a few of these things. And it was about his dad, at one point, was working a job where, like... Basically, the way he described it was like there weren't diapers, and so he was cleaning, you know, baby shit, and was just exhausted because he got fired because there was no union for it. And he was like, "This would be a good Frappuccino flavor." (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Schultz was like, "I want to make a company that, if my dad had, uh, we would have benefited us as a family."
1: Mm. Yeah, and uh, which
0: I I think is, is the thing that we should mention about how, like, because he came from, because he's actually a fairly self-made. He put in a few of these things to make it a easier life for his employees. But if he didn't have that, he wouldn't give a fuck about any of this shit.
1: Well, maybe. But it's like, the other thing is like, the benefits for the employees, again, Starbucks is about a 3.8 on Glassdoor, uh, average out of 5 rating, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like... Uh, it's it's generous enough for low wage work, but we should mention these people make an average of nine forty three an hour, according to the IWW, based on a public- Howard
3: Howard Schultz warned that an increase in the minimum wage in Seattle's uh, fifteen dollar an hour increase. Uh, could result in a reduction in the company's famously generous employee benefits. Piece of
1: shit. (laughs) So, uh, uh, I guess we can get into Starbucks and unionization, because it's a pretty interesting story. So the uh, IWW, the Industrial Workers of the World, is uh, uh, one of the oldest unions in America, and their goal is to, uh, they're an international union. They want to organize everybody. And they started a union campaign at various Starbucks stores uh, uh, dating back to 2004, and uh, they've had various degrees of success, but I did just want to highlight something they did. In 2014, they published a study based on public disclosures of Starbucks showing that Starbucks earns $11,000 in profit for every single employee. What? So, you know, it's like there is plenty of money to go to the, back to the employees. And again, you know, Schultz is spending $30 million flying these people out for his prep talk pep talk, which of course he attributes much of the turnaround to. <laughs> like these people were walk just... walking into an auditorium so inspired right. to make money for this fucking asshole. Now when you say a thousand dollars in profit per employee, that's eleven thousand. Eleven thousand per
3: employee just... annually. Yes.
4: Gross profit for each yes. of them?
3: Yes. Because okay. I think uh, that's uh, that's fucking and that's a- that's after salaries for uh, everyone in the corporate level and managerial level and Schultz's salaries itself.
1: Uh I don't know how exactly how IWW did the math on it, but you can go to uh, StarbucksWorkersUnion.org. dot org. It'll be I mean, in our it'll, Tumblr. It'll be in the Tumblr. I would assume there.
3: profit is uh, revenue after um, overhead and.
1: Right. So, like, um, uh, uh, according to New York Magazine, uh, per worker store revenue is sixty eight thousand nine hundred dollars. I believe this is as of twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen.
3: Wait. It's sixty-eight thousand. That's said... the total revenue. The oh, okay. profit
1: per worker is eleven thousand. Oh, annually, um, and, and it, that's yeah. after
3: that's after Wait, the mili- like multi-million-dollar salaries.
1: Yeah, so we, we should pro- clarify this in
4: the Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, we'll
1: we'll clarify this in the Tumblr. But uh, the point is, according to IWW, maybe that you believe them, maybe you don't. Starbucks is making about eleven thousand dollars profit per worker. And according to New York Magazine, store revenue per worker is at about $68,000 per worker. Um, which, you know, is revenue not... Revenue minus cost equals profit. Which is... I took an economics class not once. Not at
3: all consistent with um, a little-known book called Das Capital, <laughs> which is German for that capital. <laughs> uh,
1: but so, uh, uh, so yeah, Schultz comes back. He closed down 900 stores, and I think that's mainly what caused the turnaround. Um not his 30 million dollar pep talk. Um and so Starbucks goes through a massive uh rebound and uh today they are uh crazy profitable. I think they are down a little bit on the stock this year, but um here's a yeah. picture of their stock price. Oh, that's a nice little bounce cuz they, essentially they hit a skid during 2007 and then around 2009 they're just going all the way back up. Yeah. And then um
4: now they did engage in some uh social some- media campaigns. Oh, I was going to say stock buybacks.
1: Oh, yes. We should mention that. And uh, uh, so the interesting thing about stock buybacks, and you hear about these a lot, is they were actually outlawed during the New Deal. Um, Because what happened, and you saw this both in the lead-up to the Great Depression and the 2008 financial crisis, is that uh, financial firms that were insolvent or heavily in the red to try and keep themselves going would buy back their own stock to push up the price. Mm -hmm. And this was, in my opinion, correctly regarded as an illegal price manipulation. So it was outlawed in the New Deal, but then Ronald Reagan in 1982 uh, took this away, and now companies are allowed to buy back their own stocks, which many of them have been doing since the Trump uh, uh, tax cut.
4: Right, and last year in March, and then also again in November, they so they basically did this: they issued corporate bonds, and then used the proceeds from that to buy back stock.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and-, and so the like the earnings estimates that analysts use to basically say, "Hey, this stock is worthwhile to buy," were uh, inflated by that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. Wait,
3: so they took out basically a loan, and then they bought back their own own stock. Where did the stock? Who who gained ownership of that stock?
1: Uh, Uh, Like um, the Starbucks corporate entity, the the insiders. Yeah, Yeah. headquarters.
3: but ultimately, a stock is the corporate entity,
1: right? But they probably mm-hmm. redistribute it to the board and these kinds of things. I mean, okay, so
3: know. it's so they just redistribute
4: it to the top stock owners.
3: Yeah, I mean, would, it so would, they
1: buy it
4: at a premium above like
1: the the spot price in the market. It's, it's like Robin okay. Hood—you steal from the rich and give back to the rich. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that obviously this is not illegal behavior and should not be regarded as illegal behavior, and we had very good reason to make it legal again in 1982. Should not or should night legal behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where the stock went was Bill Gates Sr. went up to them and shook them down for the stock. <laughs> he hung Schultz out of a window. <laughs> um,
3: but Later s- someone questioned them about the stock, and Bill Gates ran him over outside of a burger
1: place. <laughs> 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 All the computers uh, started malfunctioning for no reason. <laughs> Um but yes, yeah, so uh uh we mentioned his pay uh the company disclose, according to Fortune magazine, the company disclosed in a proxy filing that the board has agreed to continue paying Schultz at least as much as the c e o who replaces him uh I think we mentioned Kevin Johnson at the beginning because uh, efficiency yes, because you know value in shareholders, and again, this should be noted He's an is better. That- these stock buybacks are giveaways to shareholders. So again, they're making eleven thousand profit per worker, according to Open Door uh, Glass Door. Uh, average employees making nine forty three an hour. Uh, they could very easily raise pay, but instead, they're giving it back to the um, shareholders because you know these are the incentives that we have all decided work in this system. But I did just want to talk. So a-
3: the average employee makes uh, sixty thousand, sixty eight thousand worth of revenue. At nine dollars an hour, they're making a little less than twenty thousand a year. Hell yes. Uh, so that means that there's forty thousand that goes uh, of that. Eleven thousand is profit. Wait, no, sixty-eight thousand. That means there's uh, about forty-eight thousand above uh, what the employee is uh, making. Mm-hmm. Eleven thousand of which goes into pure profit. The rest mm-hmm. of it is redistributed. Amongst the uh, higher level employees,
1: right. Well, some of that's healthcare and I guess education and these kinds of things, Um, which would probably be about ten thousand max. Mm -hmm. Um, But and also when that's not cheap enough, Starbucks uses prison labor. According to News One, Starbucks uh, used contractor Signature Packing Solutions to hire Washington State prisoners to package holiday coffees, as did Nintendo with their Game Boys. Oh. Uh,
3: but yes. So that's why they called the police on those <laughs> people for <laughs> loitering. <laughs> Put those people <laughs> to refresh, work. Refresh the labor force. Yeah, right.
1: The discount. Oh, here you go. The uh, free cor- labor force. The
3: quarterly
4: profit margin for stock for Starbucks right now is thirty-seven percent.
1: Hell yes,
0: guys, they're just not racing together enough. You know, in two thousand fifteen, Starbucks said, "Let's race together." On their coffee cups, they wrote, "Race together," and then in little boxes, they wrote, "When it comes to race, we are all human." And humans got the X
1: in it. You know why? Because of Malcolm X. <laughs> it should be noted that uh, CNN reported in March 2018 that in a uh, Starbucks press release, they, eliminate, they announced that they have eliminated the gender and wage gap oh. among their employees. They're paying them all less than $15 <laughs> an hour. Back, yeah. Pack it up, folks. That's We're like, here. That really is the liberal solution to the pay gap is just pay everybody less. <laughs> we need to cut salaries. Only what's re- legally required. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but so, uh, uh, just a, a quick overview of the labor situation at Starbucks and then we'll hit a couple more things, but, um, uh, they're famously treated very well. Yes. So the New York times writes a story in, uh, in 2014, which basically tells about do the, do the prison slaves get,
3: uh, free access to Arizona state university.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> The uh, uh, New York Times writes a story in twenty in twenty fourteen about um, uh, it profiles this woman who's a single mother who essentially uh, uh, Starbucks was using this auto, is still using this automated scheduling system which schedules people based on you know trends I think it's Chronos or something or one of these fucking Orwellian companies provides it um, so. Uh, this software and her manager is giving her her schedule three days in advance at which point she has to figure out child care she has to do all these other things to uh, co- uh, coordinate with her never constant or constantly shifting schedule and of course she's also doing clopins where she closes <laughs> and then opens the store the next day and uh, Starbucks of course you know th- these companies all respond to press Starbucks famously sells the New York Times in their stores so they had to kind of like, Uh, announced that company policy would be revised and people would get their schedules at least uh, three weeks in advance. However, the New York Times uh, wrote a follow-up story. They were teaching
3: that baby to hustle too hard.
1: (laughs) The New York Times writes a follow-up story in 2015 saying that uh, many employees they interviewed said things have not actually improved. And if I can just kind of quote on the incentive things here... Looks uh, like someone's
3: going to change over to the Wall Street
1: Journal being sold in their stores. <laughs> uh, co- uh, just quoting from the New York Times, but there has been a central uh, central obstacle to change, the incentives of store managers who are encouraged by company policies to err on the side of understaffing. This makes it more difficult to build continuity into workers' schedules from week to week. It often turns peak hours into an exhausting frenzy that crimps morale and drives workers away. And this is because, as we mentioned, these uh, store managers get set number of hours uh, from the higher ups, and then if they go over, they get fucked over and essentially like mm-hmm. they have uh uh they have an incentive to uh save money and uh labor hours uh was kind of really the only place that they can viably cut costs and uh this this results in uh, a lot of people not having consistent hours and getting their schedules uh soon in advance it
4: also allows them to have consistent prices instead of consistent wages mm hmm
3: now you see, these employees in a free market are given a choice to work wherever they want, and if they don't like the practices at Starbucks, they can get a job anywhere else. Uh, God. Uh, in our economy, that's run on the concept that there has to be a minimum level of unemployment.
1: Uh, so, uh, also, fun employment. According to fun the uh, the New York Times story, they also say Starbucks employees are also re- are often responsible for finding their own replacements when they are sick. They quote a former Starbucks employee says. A lot of times when I'm sick, it's less work to do to work the shift than to call around everywhere and try and find a replacement. This is according to the Atlanta barista. Um, so you
4: could end up having like a Starbucks roast about. <laughs> it's just sort of everywhere. A <laughs> uh, uh, task rabbit.
1: <laughs> All right, um, and, and then so the IWW, which we mentioned, goes on this campaign to unionize uh, workers, and interestingly enough, uh, Patricia Ann Millet. Uh, there's a Salon article about this. Patricia Ann Millett was appointed to the uh, D.C. Circuit Court by Obama in 2013 after Harry Reid uh, pulled up part the filibuster that Republicans were using. But interestingly enough, and I'm quoting from Salon here, uh, she uh, was an assistant to the Solicitor General in the Federal Department of Justice, but then she left to join uh, the, quote, top-flight law firm uh, Akin Gump. Uh, And then this is interesting, whose websites describe its, quote, labor relations, strategic advice and counseling practice as including, quote, union avoidance and, quote, the defense of unfair labor practice charges. And uh, she her clients while she was there included Starbucks, which faced a union campaign by uh, IWW, the Starbucks Workers Union affiliate. And uh, 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 IWW accuses her of engaging in very vicious anti-union intimidation, these kinds of tactics. And it's kind of similar when they say that they have uh, union avoidance consulting to how accounting firms also often have consulting, where essentially they'll come on and look at your books and figure out a way to uh, make your cooked books look right, and that's where a lot of accounting firms get their money because we've privatized accounting in this country. But um, it's just kind of uh, uh, disturbing what Starbucks did. Uh, they... i just like
3: to say that I... Uh... <sighs> Uh, I met with Howard Schultz, and he's a good man. They're uh, they're doing a lot of uh, good things over at Starbucks with their uh, environmentalism, and uh, I I I think that Millet uh, has done some uh, good work uh, uh, pushing those damn unionists on the streets, <laughs> and uh, I don't think you have a right to. Uh, ask for a higher pay because we're in a, a uh, very, very uh,
0: How long is this difficult impression? recovery? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So at hey. one point, Howard Schultz owns yeah. the so- Seattle SuperSonics. Wait,
1: wait, let me just finish this real quick, though. Uh, so uh, we- <laughs> stop it. <laughs> uh, so uh, the IWW uh, sues because they allege four at least four employees were fired illegally for unionizing. In a 2012 decision, uh, a judge notes the facts are essentially not disputed that. Uh, Quote, essentially not to speed up that Starbucks mounted, quote, an anti-union campaign aimed at tracking and restricting the growth of pro-union sentiment and, quote, employed a number of restrictive and illegal policies. Um, He also sided uh, with Millet and weirdly enough, he also sides with uh, Starbucks in allowing their policy that employees may only wear one union button, even though they were allowed to wear multiple buttons of other kinds. (laughs) But basically, Starbucks employees, under this judge's ruling, may only wear one union button. To uh,
3: union organizers, I want to say you didn't build that.
0: Now, we Uh, need you to wear one piece of flair only. Uh, (laughs) More than one
1: piece of flair is uh, unacceptable at Starbucks uh but basically these people are getting like ground down by like uh unpredictable scheduling uh long hours understaffed in the busy rush they're making 943 an hour on average and you know and of course they're busting unions at every opportunity so it's just fucked up that this guy's making 18 million last year 23 million the year before he's worth almost three billion dollars and he grew up poor and and for some reason he he likes to talk a good game but he can't empathize or just allow his employees to unionize without retaliating and firing them and driving these anti-union campaigns. Now
3: when you say he likes to talk a good game, uh, would you conclude that... uh...
5: Let's turn to the high point of our
4: consumerism.
5: Let me
0: take a drink. Still. Some of it Starbucks coffee.
4: I'm regularly drinking it, I must
0: admit it, but are we aware that when we buy a cappuccino
5: from Starbucks, we also buy quite a lot of ideology? Which ideology? <laughs> he
1: did the catchphrase. You know, when you
5: enter a Starbucks store, it's usually always displaced <laughs> in <laughs> some <laughs> posters there, there are which is, so
0: yes, <laughs> our cappuccino <laughs> is doing? more expensive than... fine."
1: Thing. I like how Yogi says we're at an hour, but, like, half of that is just us playing other people's material.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're at an hour. All right, okay. Okay, good. We're at an hour with 20 minutes of it being Dennis Leary. Um, but so, yes, we should w- talk about... We should talk... We should talk about the most egregious thing that uh, uh, Mr. Schultz has done, which is, of course, sell the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out to our friend, comedian Andrew Slater, who has been... There is, because of this Philadelphia incident, there has been a movement to boycott Starbucks. Andrew Slater has been boycotting Starbucks for more than a decade mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he knew this would happen. He knew that black people <laughs> He would <be> knew. <laughs> as soon as they moved the, the Sonics, he was like, this is the first step to harassing people... Uh, because of their skin color, in Starbucks stores, I think you're kind this of whitewashing
3: the struggle of uh, other in Seattle later. comic uh, Chris huh, who has been uh, committing his life to dressing up as the superhero known as Sonic's guy <laughs> and holding up a sign that says "Save Our Sonics" right, S-O-S. all S-O-S. throughout the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when asked about that,
4: yeah, I did step away. I, you know, I was I was the chairman of the company. And as chairman, I should have been paying kind of more when more attention to the company. But I I started doing other things.
5: One of which was the Seattle Sup- Supersonics, which we can we can talk about or not. <laughs> I, I don't.
4: I, I, I think we're going to leave that one. Uh, what a bunch uh, of bitches in
0: that audience. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not proud of that.
1: He's not proud of it. At least he said he was sorry. I do love that kind of like hard-hitting interviewer question, language, right. which we can talk about, or not. Or, or not. Oh, or not. Yeah. If you don't want to, we don't have yeah. to. right, right. Please give me money. Save our Sonics.
3: You have the ability to uh, buy our small media company and <laughs>
1: you may throw it in us. the dustbin if you want. Um, but so, Yogi, uh, if you can just give us a brief history of the Seattle Supersonics. So basically, Unders-
0: when uh, Howard Schultz purchased uh, the Supersonics, hes they wanted more money to revamp the key arena stadium. That was the major point of argument when it came to uh, ownership of the supersonics and Howard Schultz basically is uh, according to this one article. Off a deadspin was
1: notoriously cheap. Um, The previous (laughs) this this one article off of um, uh, (laughs) stormfront.org says (laughs) that Starbucks (laughs) chairman Howard Schultz, for some reason, has a reputation for being cheap. Yes, right.
0: Uh, this uh, That's been an article from a, form, uh, a former Sonics uh, employee. talks about how Barry Ackerley, the owner before Howard Schultz, had bought holiday gifts each year for everyone in the front office. And then when Schultz Group came in, that that stopped happening. And it killed morale and the team. And once Schultz realized that he'd fucked up, he started giving everyone Starbucks gift cards. And one member decided to go to Starbucks to use it, and then he wanted to get a treat and a coffee. And the lady's like, yeah, you owe me some more money. And he was like, how much money was on that card? And she was like, $3.50.
1: (laughs) um when you first said the gift cards were 350 i thought 350 and then i was like yeah he just had a latte that's how much (laughs) they cost
0: (laughs) well here's the thing that's crazy you can only get a gift card minimum that's five dollars so these are specialized gift cards that are at three dollars and 50 cents
1: i love this shit where it's like he was like i have to get a special made cheaper than regular gift card (laughs) For the Christmas bonus. It's all altogether
4: more expensive for me to do this. Uh, it's like... To and design this is, the card.
1: And it's like, you know, sometimes you hear people talk about, like, people who, like, uh, grew up um, in a frugal household, how they stay frugal. But it's like, you're worth $3 billion, <laughs> right, right. asshole. <laughs> and you're giving people $3.50 How do you think he, how do you think he got there giving yeah. giving family
4: members gift Wait. cards for 350 at Wait. Christmas? Sean say you're worth 3 billion
1: dollars asshole one more time. You're worth 3 billion dollars asshole.
0: www.blowme.com.
1: So basically um uh, they they wanted
0: 500 million for an Arena Complex with 220 million in public funds and that failed and so He's so- two hundred
1: and twenty million in public funds. Right, right. fuck yourself.
0: And so um, Howard Schultz sold the team to Professional Basketball Club LLC, PBC, an investment group headed by Oklahoma City businessman Clay Bennett. Now Clay Bennett said that a condition of the sale was that PBC executive a good faith effort to secure a suitable arena in Seattle for the team. Mm-hmm. Basically, he said, hey, Clay, keep it in Seattle you know, as long as you can. And then Clay was like, uh, fuck that noise. I'm going to take it back home. And in an interview with uh, George Stapanopoulos, the CBC's uh, James Corden, <laughs> uh, that's more of a burn than I wish <laughs> they wanted it to be. But uh, Schultz says, uh, buying an NBA team was a dream that I never thought would be possible for someone like me. But it also turned out to be a nightmare. Uh, it was not the right thing you. for me at the time of my life. And I just thought the culture of professional sports and athletes who were making that much money, it was just inconsistent with my ability to ca- the kind of alter the mentality. And I just got out. He's talking about Gary Payton not showing up to the first day of practice. Right. And basically realizing that uh, black millionaires don't care about a white billionaire. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, all these greedy players
3: making so much money. Right. Says a billionaire. Right.
1: Um, I'm going to drop their gift cards to (laughs) $2.50.
0: So Howard Schultz later says, "I tried to sell it to a local person in Seattle. Nobody wanted to buy it. You know that city with a couple of billionaires. One of them <laughs> then now owns the Los Angeles Clippers.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like Steve Ballmer, Steve Ballmer like, Ball- adamant that's about right. like wanting an NBA team. Well, and I mean, that's the thing. It's like
0: Howard Schultz, you're you're a lying fucking snake. Oh yeah. And you know the reason Seattle hates Starbucks outside of the notion of its monopoly on coffee is because they make sh- too good of coffee." <laughs>
1: It's too much more delicious than the small coffee houses. I tried to sell it to a local
0: person in Seattle. Nobody wanted to buy it. We ended up selling it to someone from Oklahoma, and he ended up moving the team. They've got a great team now. Schultz, you fucking sold a great team that had Ray Allen to Oklahoma, and they have a good team because you fucked up, you piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know why he sold it? Because he couldn't run a, base- a basketball team that, like you run a fucking coffee shop.
1: It's so weird, too, because like the entire time he owned the Sonics, when did he buy it again? 2008, I believe. 2008? No, no, no. Let it's me, earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah it is, yeah. Um, well, give me a second. But I was just saying, like the entire time he owns the Sonics, he's collecting a salary from Starbucks, uh, but not being CEO. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> it's like he's running lazy. a basketball team, but still getting like five to ten million from Starbucks for not really doing anything. apparent.
3: Yeah, but those athletes
0: are so overpaid and lazy. <laughs> he sold the team in oh six, and he uh, he I guess he owned it two thousand two,
1: right? Oh yeah, no, from two thousand one to two thousand six. There it is yeah. So yes, he leaves as CEO in two thousand. He buys the team in two thousand one, yep. and from. 01 to 2006. You Runs have to, into the fucking ground. Exactly, You have to imagine most of his energy is being devoted to destroying this team, but he's still picking up a huge salary from Starbucks. Yep. And then, like, fun, and, like the other great thing about giving a $3.50 gift card as a holiday bonus is, like, yeah, I'm going to funnel money back into my pocket as, like, a giving way. What about know? the Storm? Does he earn them? So a Storm, he sold them to a different person. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. so uh, Dan, something, I can't remember his name, but one of the guys that was a part of the Sonic, Save Our Sonics team bought the Storm as well as uh, some other part of like the Sonics nonsense. Yeah. But you know why he bought that, Steven? Because fucking he could pay for it, and Schultz said, fuck it, take this shit. I want your money, because he's a fucking snake. You know what I'm going to say,
3: though? Take a devil's advocate point here. Would you rather he sold the Sonics or the Sonics stay in Seattle and then slowly, over the course of, say, two decades, uh, get sold to, say, some kind of video game company like Nintendo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and slowly just make wrong decision after wrong decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, this uh, would never happen, though. I, like this. I don't know. Yeah, yeah so and have, your thought, I like this. Have, have every fan, hopefully, but completely uh, overly optimistically say this might be their year, and then slowly watch the Sonics decline into a punchline where everyone's just a fan of the 90s version of that team uh, back when they were playing baseball in
0: the Kingdome. I mean, do they have a stereotypically Asian player that's really good but is on a terrible team? Is that a thing that would happen? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: We're pre-recording this, but I would like to say for the record that the Mariners are, as of April 22nd, three games above 500. This could be their year. <laughs> 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 I'm
2: um, telling you there's a
1: chance. All right, so before we stop, I would like to just mention- I will say
3: that the Mariners are very good at spending an entire season being three games above 500.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh... They get uh, four dollars twenty five cents gift cards for Starbucks. Oh, I
4: was going to ask, do the storm also get the same? <laughs> they get seventy five percent of it. <laughs> they at least get the same value uh, gift card rate.
1: Yeah, they have. Pay. It's gender parity, exactly. Yeah. Howard Schultz did a press release that they ha- they have pay equity and they're uh, holiday gift cards <laughs> three fifty for everybody. I once was at a
0: bar Edgar Martinez was at. It was mm-hmm. this place called Pearl in Bellevue. It's yeah. in like the bottom of uh, Lincoln Square. And uh, he just like was sitting at the bar and kept giving people head nods and not paying for drinks. It was the best. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best. Th- it was he should literally... be in the Hall of Fame for that alone. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so great. It was like the most interesting man at the end of the commercial where he's just sitting and no one's talking to him. He just gives head nods. It was amazing. It was my favorite thing I've ever seen. Oh, man.
1: All right. So it should be noted that, like this we said— This podcast is pro-Edgar Martinez, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> yeah, we don't care if he took steroids. He didn't. It was a rumor. Um, allegedly. It, allegedly. Uh, so it Fake should, news. should be noted that, as we mentioned, Howard Schultz left as CEO, but uh, in 2017, he still earned $18 million in compensation, and his job there, as far as we can figure out, is— developing a chain of upscale coffee shops known as Starbucks Reserve Rotisseries. And these are like bars slash coffee shops where, you know, if Starbucks is not elitist for you, if there's uh, too many people who need to be uh, taken away in handcuffs by the police (laughs) in your local Starbucks, you can go into one of these. There's one in Seattle, one in New York. There's a few around here. Um, uh, There might be more than one. I don't know. I only saw one. But anyway, so that's what Howard Schultz is doing right now, and then before we run out of time, I do want to uh, just mention the story of Howard Schultz and a nation called Israel, which also has been in the news lately for uh, shooting at unarmed protesters. Oh, that's because they like coffee a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And also uh, a video have been released of soldiers laughing as they shot unarmed protesters. All right, okay, okay, (laughs) okay, good. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Natalie Portman boycotted them or did not go to Israel to accept an o- award because of this and so uh, it should be just kind of noted Howard www
2: what the
1: it should be noted Howard Schultz's uh, experience with Israel is um, uh, in 1998 he was honored by the Jerusalem fund of uh, Aish HaTorah, with the, quote, Israel 50th Anniversary Friend of Zion Tribute Award for his services to the Zionist state, playing a key role promoting close alliance between the United States and Israel. This is according to ArabNews.com, which... Oh, a biased source. (laughs) This really happened. (laughs) But he was given this award, and interestingly enough, in 1998, Starbucks... Uh, proudly listed on his website that he w- had been given this award, but then uh, uh, organizations that are against the Israeli apartheid started pointing this out that uh, the uh, who's against that <laughs> the the Jerusalem Fund uh, of Aish Hattorah that uh, gave him this award also quote funds Israeli arms fairs chaired by mm. General Shaul uh, Mofaz who was the chief of staff of the Israeli army during the Second Intifada. When, of course, Israel murdered about 4,000 people as a campaign. All right,
5: okay, okay, good.
1: As a campaign stunt for Ariel Sharon. Uh, but um, so they they took it off the website, and since then Schultz has been uh, uh, much more quiet about his support for Israel, um, but he also does fund... Uh, uh, just quoting again from Arab News, uh, he's been praised by the Israeli government for sponsoring pro-Israel, anti-Palestinian seminars on college campuses. Uh, there's one called uh, – this is from the Jerusalem report called Losing the Media uh, Battle. So he he's essentially used some of his money to sponsor these pro-Israel, anti-Palestinian college groups and college seminars. Um, His company has has sponsored a fundraising event for the Israel Emergency Solidarity Fund, an organization which engages in crass anti-Palestinian propaganda to raise money to support Mm. the families of Israeli soldiers who have died uh, well enforcing Israel's illegal military occupation of Palestinian territories. And when we say illegal, we mean illegal under the United Nations. Uh, uh
4: I I just want to jump in and say and remind people that our listeners that this pod is completely BDS compliant. (laughs) We do not buy Starbucks. We only buy Dunkin' Donuts.
1: Yes. Yes. I would like
3: to jump in and say that Sean is a virulent
0: (laughs) anti-Semite. I want to jump in and say when Sean says Arab news, I know he's quoting a source, but it just sounds like he's saying a group of people's news. Like,
1: I'm I'm, not That Jew news that we're talking about. I'm quoting Al Jazeera. I just call it Arab news. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But so uh, uh, and I I know this is kind of long winded, but it's it's interesting because there were boycotts launched against Starbucks uh, in in response to this. And then since then, Howard Schultz has been much more quiet about his support for pro-Israel causes. But um, uh, one more thing if uh, uh, there's a King 5 story from 2002 where Howard Schultz visits a... Um, King 5? Yeah, what, the what Seattle news station. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the Seattle news station King 5 has a 2002 story of Howard Schultz visiting um, a Seattle uh, synagogue in the middle of the Second Intifada. And again, you know, uh, just to uh, bring you up to speed on the Second Intifada, the Second Intifada... Was- so you're
3: saying he happened to go to a
1: synagogue... And you hate jews <laughs> yes i'm going to explain what he said in the synagogue but it's important to put it in context the second intifada was provoked by ariel sharon visiting the temple mount which is also called the el aqsa mosque In Jerusalem in September 2000, and then later saying, quote, the temple is in our hands and will remain in our hands. It is the holy site in in Judaism, and it is the right of every Jew to visit the Temple Mount. So essentially, this guy, Ariel Sharon, should also be noted, was the defense minister during the invasion of Lebanon. Uh, A lot of people blame him for the mass murder of um, uh, Palestinian refugees by various militias, uh, the Sabra and Shatila massacre. All right, okay. okay good. <laughs> so he goes, Ariel Sharon in September 2000 goes and visits this site as a campaign stunt, essentially, because he's running for uh, prime minister at this point. Um, and Is that the Golden Dome? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's
3: not a mosque, technically. <laughs> it's a holy site. It's where... Uh, it's it's where Muhammad ascended to heaven. Why would you why would you say that?
1: <laughs> 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 it says the Al Aqsa Mosque. Am I wrong? Dome of the Rock. Yeah, Dome of the Rock's
3: not a mosque.
1: Isn't it called it's the a holy Oksa
3: site? Mac- it's the third holiest site in
0: Islam. Yeah, for monotheists, our polytheists have been around for a lot longer. They're ranked. we don't give a fuck about this monotheistic nonsense.
3: Andy's yeah, wrong. Man. Okay,
4: she, she all the way.
0: You, okay. You just, Thank you, Stephen. It's
3: mislabeled. See, there's no temp- look. Okay, so it's two different places. Yeah. God,
1: see, now, the Temple now Mount I know. is not
3: a mosque. Now Sean.
1: The, now that now the pro-Israel I would people. like to apologize no. to
3: all of our listeners for Sean mislabeling the Temple Mount. Andy, as just because you like fucking mosque.
1: Jewish
0: girls doesn't mean you got to apologize to Jewish people on our podcast. I'm
3: apologizing to Arab people. Okay.
1: The point is. He did not visit the Al Aqsa Mosque, but the Al Aqsa Mosque is very is right next to the Temple Mount. He visited the Temple Mount. Uh, this guy who butcher who is responsible for butchering all of these um, uh, Palestinian refugees in nineteen eighty two as defense minister. And unsurprisingly, this uh, and then says this the Temple Mount will always be in uh, Israel's hands. We will never relinquish it. You know unsurprisingly this provokes riots and backlash and then this launches the second intifada in which there is a uh, uh, lots of killing on both sides but again it should be noted that context is important because howard schultz's reaction to the second intifada is to in 2002 april he goes to his synagogue and says quote if you leave this synagogue tonight and go back to your home and ignore this then shame on us uh, And unfortunately, he is not talking about a pro-BDS policy right here. (laughs) He, quote, warned other Jews against sitting back and doing nothing. He says, quote, what is going on in the Middle East is not an isolated part of the world. The rise of anti-Semitism is at an all-time high since the 1930s.
3: As evidenced by Sean.
1: He says, quote, the Palestinians aren't doing their job. They're not stopping terrorism. And, of course, this is in the middle of what has been called the Janine Massacre, uh, launched April 2002, where Israel... Uh, well, what day in April? Uh, April 1st. No. It was April Fool's. <laughs> it was, it <laughs> was, it like, was a goof, goof massacre. Keep- <laughs> um, and again, that's a partisan title. Israel Israeli apologists will say this was not a massacre. This was a battle of Janine... Whatever. This is in the middle of an Israeli action uh, in territory that they are illegally occupying to clear people out and uh, murder people and bulldoze lands and shoot them. He's saying uh, the Palestinians aren't doing their job stopping terrorism. All right,
5: okay, okay, good. You
0: know, if you go on Snopes.com and you look up Starbucks in Israel. Oh, yes. There's uh, an anti-Semitic conspiracy. Yeah, basically, the rumor is Starbucks donates money to the Israeli army, but close all their outlets in Israel because the company supports Arab countries. Uh, And the claim is a mixture. (laughs) Kind of true, kind of untrue.
1: It should be noted So Starbucks did open in Israel And then they had to close Because they weren't making money And a lot of people Started protesting Starbucks Because they thought They were giving in to BDS Or whatever So the Anti-Defamation League The ADL Which is a bit Which Starbucks donates money to Which Schultz donates money to And is a big supporter of uh, The ADL was kind of the person Of uh, the group That helped smooth this over mm-hmm. With the Israeli community And should be noted In the in light of this Philadelphia incident The ADL Which is an organization That uh, for some of its virtues choose is also very notorious for calling people anti-semites for opposing israel right. it's a very pro israel organization and it will be receiving uh some of these contracts from starbucks to do this uh pro racial sensitivity training that will be taking place in the wow. wake of uh, the philadelphia incident
0: philadelphia the city of brotherly smug <laughs> um like but how yeah. now
3: they're just gonna start calling the police on palestinians <laughs>
0: hello there's palestinians loitering outside outside your starbucks just in general
1: <laughs> yeah we we didn't buy anything we were just there to uh, have a meeting supporting bds
0: <laughs> and philadelphia
3: cops are like was well, that some kind of uh that's some kind of like uh brown per- what kind of brown person that
0: <laughs> got them big nose got them curly hairs got them big beards what they got
3: Oh God! I don't. We don't. We don't have our guidebook. Doesn't tell us how to beat up a Palestinian. <laughs> we just got. We got black. We got brown.
1: Uh, and we got Chinese. So what am I supposed to do with this bulldozer? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to destroy their home?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're gonna need a contractor for that.
1: <laughs> Look, you're gonna need a permit to build a house in this territory. We're not gonna give you a permit because you're not Jewish. <laughs> you got it. <laughs>
4: Either you're here for BDSM or you're. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. this
3: is uh, your your call's very confusing to me because my neo-Nazi tattoos uh, that people have photographed Philadelphia police actually having uh, are making me very confused about uh, enforcing racism against Palestinians. Uh, but you know what? I'll do it.
1: Wow, it's so horrifying to hear Bernie Sanders be so racist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, I guess that kind of sh- sums up Howard Schultz. He is a, a relatively self-made man who uh, became part of the system. is worth three billion, and he won't pay his employees more than nine forty three an hour. Won't let them unionize, and man. is secretly supporting Israeli apartheid. And his kids are boring and they suck. Yeah,
4: and he, f- for damn sure, doesn't pay the brown people suffering to get him the cocoa beans. Oh yeah, I mean the, we didn't even coffee beans. We didn't so. even
1: cover the entire point, but it should be noted another one of IWW's union demands is that Starbucks source at least 5% of their coffee from fair trade sources, which they do not. So, you know, Starbucks loves to talk a good game about what a virtuous person you are shopping there, but their coffee is not fair trade, their milk is not organic or small farm, it's all factory farm bullshit. You know, it's fucking trash. It's sugar water for idiots, and if you drink it, you suck too.
0: So, in conclusion...
1: I thought you were doing Dennis Leary. <laughs> <laughs> is this a
3: is Heart Box. This is
1: Heart boxes Box. Available at Starbucks stores near you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough, ladies All and gentlemen. Right, thanks All right. for listening. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Uh, come to Quicksand. Oh, this is oh like yeah, yeah.
0: No, go for this it. is the this is the one before. No, let's
3: let's just do it this week. It's more topical. I
0: uh, come to Quicksand Comedy. It's a show I'm doing at the Brooklyn House of Comedy with uh, Mike Drucker, Shane Torres, Marcia Shabelsky, Brian Yang, Smith Mobley, Amanda Hurley. Uh, I'm hosting with uh, J. Roger and Brennan Kelly. $5, 8 p.m. It's in bed black-owned. If you don't like us, you're racist. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Grub Stakers. I'm Yogi Polywall. I'm Andy Palmer.
1: I'm Sean McCarthy. Steve Jeffers. Not such a sweet finding. A campaign group in the U.K. claims a Starbucks drink contains as much sugar as three cans of soda. The organization declares the hot mold fruit drink is the most guilty culprit with an eye-popping 99 grams of sugar. That's more than three times a whole day's worth of the average recommended intake of free sugars. For Starbucks' part, the coffee chain says it's taking action to reduce added sugar with the goal of cutting back by 25% within the next four years. The bottom line, no way to sugarcoat this.
0: Now, that being said,
5: I do have to admit, as a nervous white guy,
0: sometimes it's nice to see a Starbucks in a tough neighborhood. (laughs) If I'm in a shady part of the Bronx and I see those green letters, I relax a little bit. (laughs) Starbucks are white people embassies.
2: That's
1: what they are. That's why I don't like your Starbucks. I go to Starbucks and they don't like letting me feel like a badass. They want me to feel like a... (laughs) Like a pansy ass, that's what you like. Cause I don't order these drip coffee or whatever, I get what my mouth likes, even if it is a sugary foo-foo drink, right?